Today's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Zorro.com is where you'll find everything you need for businesses of any size in almost any industry. They have tools, equipment, and supplies for everything you need. Whether you need stuff for industries like electrical, plumbing, manufacturing, or more, Zorro's got it from brands you know and trust. And Zorro.com offers amazing customer service from real people based in the U.S. Visit Zorro.com slash NFL in all lowercase letters, to sign up for Zmail and get 15% off your first order. Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined as always by my co-host and my co-Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? I'm doing really well. I have uh, Shakira hips don't lie stuck in my head all day <laughs> because of that uh, Dak Prescott hips don't lie video which is awesome and hilarious that's how i walked but. into the studio today doing that. <laughs> yeah craig just like cha-cha in like the cha-cha real smooth just hip just thrusting like, through it's definitely what i do while you're introducing me to like get myself hyped up <laughs> I, do, I do the hip the whatever i don't even know what you want to call that hip thrusts it's pretty impressive i'm gonna be honest <laughs> danny your hips don't lie your your analysis never lies so <laughs> makes sense and then craig, how are you doing craig how are Hip thrusting on your way in here? I'm doing good. I got another win this week on the streamer of the week thing, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, I wish, you know, I'm going to stop asking him how he's Coming doing. from behind, <laughs> feeling really good. All Damn right. it. Well, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I do kind of want to talk about something that made me go, what, this week? Yeah. All the good running backs were bad, except Christian <laughs> McCaffrey. So the highest paid running backs by average annual salary are Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Devontae Freeman, and Saquon Barkley in order. This week, they ranked among running backs, and this is going into Monday Night Football because we're recording this Monday afternoon. Those guys ranked 24th, 30th, 9th, like last, like literally last, 29th (laughs) and 27th on Sunday. And they're all going to go down, assuming Chris Carson and some Niners backs beat them. So not great, DK. Uh, Yeah, it was rough. It was insane. Saquon had one yard on 13 carries. Lowest rushing total for a non-quarterback with at least 10 carries since Reggie Bush in 2006. Le'Veon Bell had 34 yards and 18 carries. And at one point, at the end of the third quarter, Sam Darnold scrambled for 24 yards. And he was the Jets' leading rusher on the day at that point because of the run. (laughs) Alvin Kamara had four carries for 24 yards. And the Saints had their first game without an offensive touchdown since Drew Brees and Sean Payton showed up in 2006. Wow. Saints only ran it 11 times, I think I saw. Yeah, Latavius Murray had five carries for 12 yards. So that was just, that was a a team-wide collapse. David Johnson had two yards on five carries, one catch for eight yards. So zero in PPR and negative in less than PPR because he had a fumble on the catch. David Johnson, dust, as the kids would say. Is that... Is that what the kids would say? I'm going to be honest. I didn't know that. Yeah. that's, That's news to me. And we are the de facto kids of this podcast. But his hips don't lie, so I'm going to trust you on that one. Uh, and then Todd Gurley, 12 carries for 73 yards. Actually, his best game by yard just since week one. Did not touch the ball in the fourth quarter. Jeez. Zeke Elliott, 20 carries for 47 yards, stuffed on second and two, and then lost yardage in third and two to lose the game. And that doesn't even count LeSean McCoy. It was a healthy scratch. So what a, wor- what a world. That all made me go what? At least Aaron Jones is still out there carrying teams. And McCaffrey's great. But what do you make of all these yeah. guys? He's, I mean, again, those are the highest paid guys in, in, at the running right. back position, and they were all booty. I think it was an outlier week. I, and, I, and I wrote about this in my column last night. I think Saquon and Le'Veon Bell um, are good positive regression candidates down the stretch. I mean, obviously, Barkley's not having like a bad season by any stretch, um, but he's clearly not having the season he had last year. Part of that is due to the ankle injury. Part of that is just due to um, 
you know, the the Giants have a few more mouths to feed in the offense now. They're passing a little bit more. So there, there's there's multiple variables, but Barkley still has, you know, elite usage. And I think he's going to come back to, like, he's going to positively regress back to where he should be. I think closer to, to where he should be. Now, this is all assuming he's actually healthy because he was apparently banged up um, in the game. And very, they were very sort of vague about it after the game. So we have to kind of monitor his health going forward. But... Um, for Barkley, especially, I think he's he's a good positive regression candidate. Should should be getting get back going down the stretch. Yeah, and second one, he's getting an MRI on Monday. But the Giants are on bye this week, so probably not a uh, not a huge candidate to be out for Week Twelve. Right. Pat Shermer told coaches Saquon was fine, so Wayne Gallman could potentially be an ad for Saquon. But that's if he misses time. But you know, he already only missed a few games with that ankle injury. So yeah, he's Wolverine. Um, I think Bell has a chance to do pretty well down the stretch also, just because the Jets' schedule down the stretch is incredibly easy. Um, you know, they've got, I'm trying to find it, they've got like Washington, Oakland, a bunch of really bad teams, Miami on their schedule. That gives them, get, gives him a chance to uh, to really kind of break out. Oh, Cincinnati too. And so he's got Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, and Miami the next four weeks. So I think he has a chance to kind of get back to where people want him to be too. And yeah, Le'Veon Bell, 46 qualifying rushers. He is dead last in yards per attempt at 3.1 yards per carry. So out of all these guys, who do you like the most going forward? Like who are the top two you would you would want? It's Zeke and Kamara still, right? I might put Saquon above both of those guys. I'm not really sure. It's it's really, really tough because Saquon's so dangerous in the passing game, but I guess I'm just betting on the offense, which is the I think David Johnson's with. last for me. Yes. Because yeah, that's that's the easy one to put put there. Don't even know that he's going to get playing time anymore, whether that's because of health or whatever. They took him off the injury report on Friday, which is the really concerning part, because in some ways that's all we have is those Friday injury reports as a gauge. I mean, you get taken off, and then he just looks so slow. Like, he just didn't look himself in a way that you just feel like maybe you should have been in the injury report Friday. But He got benched. He actually got benched. And they came out and said that kind of, you know, this morning, Cliff Kingsbury admitted they sat him down because they wanted to get Drake going. They thought Drake had given them a little bit of juice in the offense in the running game. Johnson looked like he was running in sand. Well, he so. said it was performance-related. I honestly, I don't think he has a choice if David Johnson's not listed on the injury report Friday. I don't think they have a choice to say anything but it's performance-related oh, because okay. they took him yeah, off. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So I think Johnson's last of that group. I would have. I mean, Devontae Freeman's different because he's injured. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. I would say is above Johnson solely because at least you know he's going to get touches, is he, even if he is profoundly inefficient with them. Todd Gurley above Le'Veon, but still really disheartening. And then, I mean, there's probably two or four tiers of running backs between him and then Saquon Kamara and Elliott. What do you make of the Saints offense being so just awful? You Everybody just gets chalk one. That up. Everybody yeah, yeah. gets one. Yeah, Packers got That's everyone a mulligan. gets one. Yeah, everyone gets one. <laughs> I think you're right because they got sacked six times in that game. Exactly. The Falcons had a total of seven sacks coming into the game. It was just the weirdest game of the entire season, probably. Yeah, the Saints were the hard, were among, I think, the second hardest team to sack, counting Bridgewater and Breeze, and then the Falcons had the least sacks, and then they sacked them a bunch. So everybody gets one. It's fine. They'll probably be fine. But in that, but in that game, Freeman, Devontae Freeman sustained a foot injury versus the Saints. Mm-hmm. He did not return. Yep. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported as a foot sprain. He's getting an MRI on Monday. We do not know the extent of that uh, MRI as of Monday afternoon. But Brian Hill had 20 carries for 61 yards in relief. So, Dika, do you like Brian Hill as a relief for Devontae Freeman this week? Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the top guys on the waiver wire that you got to go grab this week. If Freeman misses time, he's their starter because Ito Smith was put on injured reserve late last week. And so, yeah, he he kind of like slides into a starting role going forward. He might not have... You know, it's not going to be a ideal situation, clearly, but he's going to get a lot of volume. And so he's he's definitely, I think, if not the top guy, one of the top guys on the waiver wire this week. Another Falcons injury from that game. Austin Hooper, the number one tight end in fantasy. No. I know, it's tough. It's <laughs> tough for a tough position. Tight so, end, yeah, just getting more and more bleak. Battered. Uh, <laughs> he had a knee injury in the fourth quarter, did not return. Uh, we do not know the exact injury this time. They, <laughs> Luke Stocker, next up. Next man I guess up in he's Atlanta. The next guy. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, Titan's so bad. I was really earnestly looking for people that you could fill in, and I was like Luke's because I was yeah. like, "You're not going to pick a Luke Stalker, are you?" And then I saw that Chicago's Ben Brownecker, who caught a touchdown this week, and then Trey Burton's injured for a little bit, so maybe the Bears yeah. get there. But 
Also, Adam Shaheen is like in the doghouse there. He's, yeah, he's, healthy scratch. Yeah, so that's not great. Second round pick. Yikes. Tight end. Not great. And nope. one last running back news, especially with all those uh, guys underperforming. One last news with waiver wires. Ty Johnson of the Lions. They obviously, they already lost on Johnson. He's an injured reserve. Ty Johnson left this game with a concussion in the first half. Uh, J.D. McKissick had 10 rushes for 36 yards and then added six catches for 19 yards. He played 58 of 83 snaps. Paul Perkins, former Giant, love Paul Perkins, had seven rushes for nine yards, which is also kind of like when he was on the Giants, and one catch for nine (laughs) yards and 15 snaps. Hard to judge this game because Matt Stafford missed his first game since 2010. Like, the last time he missed a game, the Democrats were controlling Congress, like, the first time, like, nine years ago. Has he been playing on a broken back? Yeah, no, he's had, well, he's had back injury. He actually, and Derek Carr both had played through injuries all of last year and just didn't Jeez. really tell people. And Stafford wanted to play through this, as he often does. And the difference like, is Carr was terrible when he was hurt. <laughs> Stafford's been good. Stafford's that's had an cute. awesome year. That's a, that's a bummer. I hope he comes back. Is, is, do we hear anything yet, like, in terms of, like, how long-term this is supposed to be? He tried to play this week, so it can't be that bad, right? In terms of... How much time he misses? I'm just never going to say can't be that Don't bad guess. for like broken Don't bones in your back. <laughs> never going to be like, yeah, it's fine. That's probably Who knows? Fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. J.D. McKissick, probably not the worst option if you think the Lions are going to be passing to catch up with who they're playing, but it's also not great. So Yeah, I mean, it, it's he's a McKissick is a desperation guy for a rough lots of buys this week um, based purely on the fact that he's going to get targets in the passing game. He's not like a good running back necessarily, but um, Tough. he's kind of their, their passing down back and he could have some value in PPR only leagues. I think he's serviceable. You're being really hard on JD. Former Seahawk. I actually like him. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's just not a, he's not a run through the, you know, between the tackles type of player. He's really small. He's, he's more of a, he's actually, a, I think he was a receiver in college. So um, yeah, he, he's definitely going to just be more in the passing game oriented. All right. Well, you might have to go to that because, as you mentioned, the buys this week are not quite as bad as this week where there are six, but there are four good teams on buy this week. Pack, yeah. well, I don't know if good, but Packers, Titans, Giants, Seahawks, so three of them are good. Uh, <laughs> so that's Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Danny Dimes, and Tannehill at quarterback with the last two surprisingly decent fantasy options. Yeah, Tannehill? Where'd that come from? Miami. Are you? Are we back on the Tannehill? Uh, He's going to be Robert really, Bays. really good on the Bears next There's year. There's a revisionist. I saw Mays oh, yeah, trying Mays. to like talk himself into not believing in Tannehill, which is like the best turn of events I can imagine. I can't wait for Mays to have like a 30 minute diatribe yeah. about how all of Tannehill's <laughs> career was wasted under Adam Gase, and he's actually excellent, and that Matt Nagy <laughs> yeah. can fix him. But he'll get there. Just give him, give him a few months. But yeah, so let's get into some bye. Can we do, Craig? Do you want to sing the NSYNC for this format? Because we're going to call the segment "Bye Bye Bye." So, will you do this thing? I'm this aware segment? of the segment title. No, I'm not going to say. I know. It. I was just saying it to induce you to. to will you no. sing the "Bye Bye Bye"? No, thank you. DK, will you sing the "Bye Bye Bye"? <laughs> Give us no. a little. You, you brought up Shakira. Sing the "Bye Bye Bye." No, I will not. Um, in solidarity with Craig. Thank you. You can do DK. it if you want. Yes. Go ahead. Three, two, one. Bye, bye, bye. Oh no! Oh my God! We're moving on. A streamer for the buys this week. Uh, I like Derek Carr this week. Raiders playing the Bengals. If you really We're are in a spot. In, back in on Carr, man. If you've got Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or even Patty Dimes and you're like, I don't know who to play this week, you do better than the Raiders against the Bengals. Raiders are good. Bengals suck. Not yep. that complicated. Uh, another one to look out for. Nick Foles has been named the starter in Jacksonville. Took over for Minshew Mania, which is a big bummer for me because I really liked Minshew. Uh, maybe Minshew will end up earning the starting job again eventually. But for now, it's Foles' uh, offense again. And obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty kind of how that will go going forward. We only saw him for, a, what, like a quarter at the in, in week one. Um, he did throw a touchdown pass to DJ Chark. So Chark, his value isn't necessarily going to change completely with Foles under center. Um, but yeah, going up against Indianapolis, which may or may not have Brissett under center this week, uh, that is a potential streamer for you as well. You know whose value is going to completely change with Foles under center? Who's Our that? guy Lenny Forens. I know. I was gonna say, can this only help him? Right? <laughs> he's got one touchdown. He's got one touchdown with Minshew. It's like he's gonna get all the touchdowns now. They're all gonna rubber band back. He's gonna get twelve on the year, and like eleven of them are gonna come with Nick Foles. I'd love. Speaking that. of, I, I want to throw out one number for Fournette. Uh, Fournette has two hundred and fourteen touches, which coming into the week that was the NFL high. It's not anymore after week ten. But um, Aaron Jones after. 
week 10, has 14 touchdowns on 170 touches. Fournette, 214 touches, one touchdown. You said one sad. number that was like six, but I get your point. That's so. Do you think that Fournette? <laughs> so okay, is Fournette me, the number? Me, one, is Fournette the number one running back after McCaffrey the rest of the season? He has a chance to be the number one positive regression running back. Like he's he could start scoring touchdowns in in like bunches going forward. Like if you were to redraft right now, starting for the second half of the season, how high is Fournette going? Is he a top five pick? Man, he'd be up there. Yeah, he definitely would be up he's there. Probably like he's five or something. Unquestioned bell cow. He's getting all the volume in that offense. So yeah. Love, love to hear it. As I mean, Craig and I have a lot. Lenny Forms. Craig and I have Lenny. like Series A Leonard Fournette stuff. Like we have like we have that thing you can get in early. Like we have a hedge fund. It's like we can just get yeah. Series A fund. Oh my god! It literally could not have worked out better. It's just beautiful. Well, no, it could have. He could have had fourteen touchdowns oh, this yeah. year. Okay, I, I suppose you're right. Yeah, <laughs> right I just meant on talent. Let's keep this train rolling. This train's slowing down. We gotta burn some more coal. Uh, Darius Geis is back this week. Maybe yeah. uh, Washington's playing the Jets, who are bad. <laughs> yet, complete, yet they, they did hold Barkley to thir- no wait one yard on 13 carries have we made a determination about whether a yard counts as yardage or is yardage inherently plural <laughs> you know what I think you're the only one asking that question <laughs> yeah so do you like Darius, important so questions. do you like Darius guys as a flex this week or are you worried about the Jets or you just think the Giants suck <sighs> he's a dart throw he's a dart throw for me if you're desperate throw him in your flex it could pay off we still don't know how it's going to how they're going to like split up reps between him and Adrian Peterson. Um, I think they're still going to run the ball a lot, and they're going to try and run the ball a lot. That's Callahan's MO. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins has been named the starter for the rest of the season, so I'm guessing they're going to keep the training wheels on him and just try and run the hell out of the ball. So there is some, I guess, potential value for Geis, and I love Geis as a running back. Um, but I just don't, you know, no one really knows how it's going to kind of like shake out, how they're going to use him, if they're going to, slowly ease him in or, or what. So it, it's a dart throw for sure. All right, tight end here. We've got Jack Doyle against the Jaguars. I mean, the Colts, I, it, this is if Jacoby Brissett comes back because obviously Brian Hoyer can't be trusted. But they will probably be without <laughs> T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell in this game. And if Jacoby Brissett's back, Jack Doyle seems like maybe the number two option in that offense after Zach Pascal. So Doyle can do, uh, is pretty good, but he's owned in more than half a league, so maybe not. And then, Craig, you want to take a couple of victory laps right here, these next two tight ends? Thank you, Verinder. Uh, Darren Fells, I'll just skip right past. Um, he, he is touchdown or bust, but every time I've been on him, I've been hitting. So, <laughs> love Darren Fells. But yeah. really, I wanted to move on to O.J. Howard. <laughs> who I, t- I titled the episode the O.J. Howard Redemption Podcast yeah. last week. You shot your shot. I 1,000% shot my shot. Well half quarter. Well and, played. And uh, the man had 47 yards and a touchdown on Sunday. He almost had a second touchdown, too, I He think. did. He played, yeah. like, 99% of snaps. Um, looked really good. How's it feel? Pretty good. I feel like, you know what? It's like the tide rises all, raises all boats. Like, this is good for the Dynasty podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying great. to distribute the wealth. <laughs> uh, now, do you think it's going to... Do you think this carries over going forward, though? Because this was against, like you, like you pointed out so astutely, the Cardinals who just give, like, hemorrhage yards to tight ends. Do you think... Are you optimistic going forward. His usage was really good. You know, Bruce Arians has like never really faltered on saying that they want to have him be involved. I mean, he's so talented. I don't know why you would. Chris Godwin's taken a dip like the past three weeks. I would not be surprised if O.J. Howard's next five games are a lot better than his previous five games, which is not saying much. But I think he'll probably be, again, like with Austin Hooper going down now, like, I hate to say it, but O.J. Howard's probably like startable. Like you should, you you probably should start O.J. Howard, right? If you have him or Darren Fells, I think I'm starting O.J. Howard. He's just more talented. I'm betting on the talent over everything else. Guys like Evan Ingram are out. Kittle might be out. Also, you're betting on volume because that passing game is just, they pass the hell out of the ball. They, there's Like we were talking about last week, they're like one of the most fun teams. They always seem to create fun games. And that Cardinals game was really fun. And, you know, we looked and, heading into this week. He was averaging around like 40 yards per game, what, 38 yards per game, which doesn't sound great. But looking at the rest of the pool, Get 47 on Sunday. I don't really know why you wouldn't unless you got one of the big names, but I think he could be like the number nine tight end for the rest of the season. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. DK, one last one for you, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph has kind of flashed the last couple of games with Thielen out. Um potentially another week. We'll I'll have to kind of wait and see how that all goes, but you know, the 
considering he re-aggravated his hamstring um, in a game, I'm guessing they're going to kind of play it safe with him. Rudolph has been a bigger part of the passing game. Uh, he had five targets, four catches, 14 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, obviously, he is another touchdown or bust type player, but he has had touchdowns in three out of the last four games. So uh, Kirk Cousins is looking for him in the red zone. You know, he's an athletic tight end. He can move around. Uh, they also have Irv Smith. You know, they can do some things in two tight end sets, but especially with Thielen out, you know, he just kind of moves up the, the he moves up a rung or two, you know, in the target distribution. So he's another guy that I've potentially streamed this week. With the holidays right around the corner, I mean, I feel like you got to mention Kyle Rudolph's nickname. Considering uh, is it a nickname or is it <laughs> just his last name? R- Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or Rudolph the Red Zone Reindeer. Oh, oh, is that a thing? Yeah. That's his whole thing. No one knew that? I've never heard of I that. just know him for the gray duck thing, and that's how I learned Minnesotans have a different Oh yeah. I don't want to get into that because they're very <laughs> upset when you bring it up. All right, to buy tie a bow on all that. All four of those guys are available, DK. Jack Doyle, Fells, Howard, and Rudolph. I want the your pick for this week and then your pick for the rest of the season. Going for it, like who do I like this week, you mean? Yeah, of Jack Doyle, Darren Fells, O.J. Howard, and Kyle Rudolph. <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I'm going with Doyle. I concur. I concur. Going with Doyle for this week, and then I'm with Craig. I, don't, I would not be surprised if Howard starts to trend up rest of the season. All right. I like those. And then running back, so let's say, for, let's go for this week. Uh, if you got to flex in someone off waivers, Darius Geis is available, as is J.D. McKissick on the Lions. Wayne, uh, well, Wayne Goldman's on by, but uh, Brian Hill on the Falcons, J.D. McKissick on the Lions, and uh, Darius Geis. Who are you picking up? Uh, Hill would be my number one choice if he's out there. And then I, so this is just kind of how I operate. I'd rather take a, a gamble on Geis just because I think the upside is higher than with McKissick. So, um, but sometimes that definitely backfires. McKissick has a higher floor. Guys has a higher ceiling. So I'm, I would tend to just my personality, I would go with guys. Beautiful. All right, let's get in some categories. But first, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Ray Donovan. Returning to Showtime this Sunday, as Ray navigates the mean streets of New York, we find everyone's favorite fixer determined to become a better man, but past threats resurface that require the Ray of old. Once again, cleaning up after his father Mickey's mess, Ray is forced to confront a dangerous enemy from their family's past while avoiding authorities hell-bent on putting the Donovans behind bars. Will Ray do what's needed to fix the family's dilemma, or will he walk away and finally fix himself? Find out how it all unfolds. Leave Schreiber and John Voight star in a new season of Ray Donovan, premiering this Sunday at an all-new time of 8 p.m. Eastern, only on Showtime. Lovely, Shiver. The dulcet tones of Hard Knocks. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Also, you got a great shout out on the season of Big Mouth. What are you talking about? Lee Shriver got Did a he? shout out. Yeah, oh, no, nice. it, was, it was fun. It's good. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Weekly categories Deceiving Yards. Who is Fool's Gold? Who is not? Who is for real? DK, who had a big day this week that you are buying, not buying? What are you doing? What do you, I'm going to ask you guys that. What do you think of Christian Kirk of the Cardinals? Uh, pending Monday Night Football, he has a week high of all NFL players, 37.8 PVR points. He had 10 targets, 6 catches, 138 yards, 3 touchdowns. Uh, he absolutely went off. He was a positive regression candidate coming into the week. One of several players. I think he had like 45 targets without a touchdown, which was second only to... Uh, Mike Williams and Devontae Adams. I want. I'm, this is off the top of my head. So, anyways, he was coming into the week um, due for for a touchdown or two, and then he got three. So, on one hand, I'm definitely sort of bullish on Christian Kirk going forward. I think that Kyler Murray is awesome. He's just continuing to improve. That passing game is continuing to get better. Um, but at the same time, you know, coming off a game where I think he scored 3.6 fantasy points last week, um, he has made a transition, and this is an interesting usage note for him. He, he's actually running on the outside almost like almost exclusively now after running in the slot 80% of his routes through eight, week eight. In the last two weeks, he's only running in the slot 16% of the time. So he's playing on the outside now, and it's hard to take anything away from that because he had 37 points this week and three, 3.6 points last week against San Francisco. So obviously there's a huge difference in, in the quality of defenses there. Um, so I guess I'll ask you guys, how are we feeling about Christian Kirk? Do you think this was like a breakout, or do you think it's more of an outlier? I mean, I I believe in the Cardinals' offense has gotten better. So in their first four games, Kyler had four touchdowns, had four picks, and took 20 sacks. 
In their last six games, he has eight touchdowns, one pick, and 11 sacks. So they've just kept getting better yeah. and better, and I think it's been— yeah. I mean, he just—in this game, he got picked, but he had the rookie record for consecutive passes without an interception, so 211 attempts. And the previous record was, like, Dak Prescott, like, 176. So Kyler's just getting better. Uh, and yeah. as he protects the football and he protects himself, like, the whole—like, the Cliff Kingsbury thing has quietly, like, been working pretty well at the NFL level, and— I think it's quiet because it's yeah. the Cardinals and they're out of the playoff race, but they're getting better every week. And Kirk's target totals, like, throughout the season, he's had games of 12, 12, 11, and 10 targets this year. And yep. if you just look at the talent on the Cardinals, I don't know if there's a lot of other guys who are going to take the ball away from him. I mean, you have Larry Fitzgerald and a banged-up David Johnson. But besides that, I don't know why he wouldn't continue to be featured. Yeah, I think in, in this case, the volume makes him definitely— I mean, he's definitely startable every week, and— I think if anything, he's turning in the right direction. He's going to get. He's going to continue to be the number one guy in the offense. And as the offense improves, um, you know, he's going to be. He's going to. I think he's going to score more touchdowns. Now that said, he's going up against San Francisco again. Again, this is Monday before the Seahawks 49ers game, so we don't know how that's going to go. But up until this point, San Francisco's defense has been really good, um, and they shut him down. Even though the Cardinals did move the ball against San Francisco last week. Um, Kirk was not a big factor. And so um, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to go off next week against the 49ers, but rest of the season, I think he's a, he's a definitely startable player. And then on the flip side, Cardinals are trending up, Kirk's trending up, but then there's the Rams. What the hell happened to the Rams? Cooper Cup had zero catches on uh, on the day. And that, to me, like if there was one trustworthy guy in the Rams offense, coming into this week, it was Cooper Cup. He was the wide receiver five coming into the week. And he was, you know, the highest floor, highest ceiling guy in the offense. And he goes out and puts up a donut. So what do we think of this whole thing? Um, I guess I would just ask you guys, are, are, is there anyone in, in this offense that you can trust? I mean, I, Craig hates Jared Goff in cold weather. For starters. <laughs> those, well, those tiny hands can't grip the ball. Dude. No, it's, it's tough because it's, 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 it's real tough. No, but I mean, I mean, I mentioned this on the Friday show. It's the Rams. I mean, Jared Goff's not good under pressure. He needs to see receivers open and he's not good with people in his face. He gets pressured a lot. The Rams have probably the worst bottom, at best, bottom three guard combo in the league. And they actually had some injuries this weekend. But that going against the Steelers, who this, after the Rams are one of the worst pass blocking teams, the Steelers have the highest pressure rate in the league for any team other than the 49ers. San Francisco and Pittsburgh are the only two teams that pressure opposing passers more than 30% of dropbacks. And this, I mean, what's new is it's not the Steelers pass rush because the Steelers have the most sacks since the beginning of 2017. So they've been doing it, but now they're blossoming because they got TJ Watt leads the league in quarterback hits. He's on pace to break his single season sack record for his personal record. Bud Dupree has already tied his single sack record. He's got six. But now what's changed is with Minka Fitzpatrick, they have the players in the secondary and the back end to really like start taking advantage of ball hawking. Pretty similar actually to the Steelers, mm-hmm. but instead of adding pass rushers like the Niners did, they already had Richard Sherman and uh, some other players. Now the Steelers have Minka Fitzpatrick that really brings out the best of like Joe Hayden and everyone. So right. you mix that. It's like oil and water. You mix that kind of defense into the Rams' leaky-ass offensive line, and then suddenly, like, the whole thing starts sputtering. So, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised by this at all. Um, the Rams have just a terrible offensive line. So, do like, you think that's truly the only culprit? Not the only culprit, but I would say that, I mean, I was going to say, like, metaphorically an offensive line's the center of an offense. It's quite literally the center of, quite literally what everything <laughs> revolves around. Like, the center of the thing. And the center of the offensive line is the center. Uh, John Sullivan retired because the Patriots Pats roughed him up in the Super Bowl. They replaced him with Brian Allen. I believe Brian Allen got hurt in this game. And I think they had to move, I could be, I think Austin Blythe to center. And then they were playing Austin Corbett at left guard, who was the, <laughs> I mean, the Browns 33rd, so the first pick of the second round a couple of years ago, and was so bad that they couldn't even hand him a starting job, even though they tried everything. And they cut bait. Do you know how bad you have to be to be the 33rd pick in the draft and have your GM cut bait on you after like 18 months? Like abominable. <laughs> And yeah. he's playing. It's out of position in this game. Like, you're going to get wrecked. But that's where the Rams are, and they can't fix it because they have no first-round picks for, like, four more years. Gurley's locked in. Goff is locked in. Goff looks like a deer in the headlights. Like, this team isn't—there's no path to get better in the interior in the next few years. It's a disaster. Yeah. It's bleak, man. It. So, I, I feel like we've been talking about 
the Rams injury luck the last two years. After yes. the last two years, I think they they were like the one of the most injury free teams in the NFL the last couple of seasons. And the injury plague is definitely kind of catching up with them and, and it's made the wheels fall off on their offense. Now do you trust like do you trust Cooper Cup going forward? I think Cup is the only guy in this offense that I would actually like feel really good about plugging into a lineup. And I still and I don't feel really good about it anymore. I feel like Robert Woods has been pretty consistent every single week. He, he drops, yeah. I mean, especially with Cooks out now. I, I, I think the weirdest part of this offense is still what's going on with Todd Gurley, who, like we said earlier, had zero touches in the fourth quarter, but he played eleven of the seventeen snaps. They just didn't run any plays for him. Hmm. There was reports yeah. in the offseason that like they would start to ramp up Todd Gurley's like touch rate as we got closer to the playoffs because that's kind of the whole point of resting him was to like right. kickstart him into the playoffs. But it hasn't really happened yet, and I don't know. I wanted to see if you guys had any opinions on 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 why they were handling Gurley the way they are right now. Still, I, I think it's two things. One, it's I mean, I hate this phrase. I'm getting tired of it already. Load management, mm-hmm. not because preventative, but because they already <laughs> screwed up his knee last year by giving him the ball way too much for how much they knew about his knee for the last three years. So they're now making up for it. Combined with he's not as effective because of it. Combined with again, the line sucks. And I pulled this up. So yeah. PFF, there are 64 guards, which is a really neat number. Um, that's obviously uh, two per team that have played 50% of snaps this season. And if you rank them by pro football focuses, block, pass blocking grades, uh, the Rams have <laughs> Austin Blythe is 56 of 64 and Joseph Nobun is 53rd of 64. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it, it's just, it's not tenable. And then if you go by run blocking, of the 64 guards, Joseph Noteboom is 64th, so dead last, and Austin Blythe is 62nd of 64. Those are the two. Those are the two guards, and you you wonder why they can't run anymore. It's the interior has literally collapsed, and then Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein on the tackles then have to make up for like any other like you're making up for the guy next to you screwing up, and it just it just throws everything out of whack from this. The very center of their offense is collapsed, and McVeigh hasn't adjusted as well. So I think I think the Rams are a really like fascinating case study in just how little things that that go wrong start to completely screw up the entire system. Um, and you know what I mean? It's just like it's not one thing; it's just several little things that have like completely snowballed, and now they just can't do anything. They were the most dominant offense for the last two years, and now they are like bad, like legitimately bad. But it's funny because I feel like neither op- neither side of those are fraudulent. Like they were truly really, really good last year, and they're actually really bad this year. And there's like, <laughs> like both are correct. Yeah. I just think it's fascinating. I, I mean, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but it, it's definitely really interesting to see how the tables have turned. And, and McVay hasn't been able to figure it out. And we all... You know, I mean, I am as big of a McVeigh believer as anyone, and and it's just been really shocking to see him not be able to kind of like get the Rams out of this. Yeah, the lack of adjustment's been tough. Um, another interesting thing that happened on Sunday, not quite as interesting as the Rams, but still interesting nonetheless. LaShawn McCoy, healthy scratch. Speaking mm. of load management, they claimed it was related to load management, like a predetermined rest week. Sounds like a really polite way to spin your healthy <laughs> yeah. scratching your veteran when you want to get. Darwin Thompson more reps is my little two cents on that. But anyway, Damian Williams. Yeah, he had 19 carries and five catches, which is by far the most of, like, this is what people drafted him to do in the third round this year. And so before this game where he had 24 touches, uh, in the prior six weeks, he had 14, 7, 12, 2, 13, and 14. But his snap rates have been getting higher and higher the last two weeks. He's played 72% of snaps compared to like 42, 27, 38 in the three weeks before that. Um, yeah, so they said they were arresting McCoy because they wanted to keep him fresh for the playoffs. I don't know. Eh. Yeah, probably not. he's been not. fumbling a lot. But I mean, Damien Wentz just fumbled too. So well. I'm not really sure it's going to happen. But I think, I think I'm buying this. And I think Damien yeah. Williams is actually going to be the guy for the rest of the rest of the season, barring some, you know, fumbling catastrophe. This is significant to me because you didn't like Damian Williams before the season because he just basically never made it through a whole season. He didn't, but if you just take touches for half a season and, you know, drag that out to a whole season, that's still only around 10 touches a game. So they're just they're just jamming all of the touches he would have had the whole season <laughs> in half a season. Still and he can do what he did last year down the stretch. Yeah, he never had more than like 13 touches in a season, and look, they gave him 24 and he fumbled. So we'll see. 
I'm still hoping. I'm still holding out hope for Darwin Thompson. It's not going to happen though. I, I, think, I think you're right. Damian Williams is going to be the guy for the Chiefs down the stretch. Yeah, hope is a good thing, but not for Darwin Thompson the rest of the season. <laughs> right, um, right. Well, speaking yeah. of hope, though, I will say one hope. Craig and I frantically <laughs> needed someone to play. We had one of those weeks, like we have six players on by this week. Needed someone at flex. Picked up old Darius Slayton off waivers. 10 catches, <laughs> 121 yards, two touchdowns. Talk about deceiving yards. Number two wide receiver of the week. Entering Monday Night Football, starting just 5% of Yahoo leagues, but bang. Um, is this real? Uh, we mentioned Slate a couple weeks ago on when we had Rando Day for all the guys that scored yeah. touchdowns that no one had ever heard of, like Marvin Hall. And Slate was one of the people I think we all identified as like he could do it again. I wouldn't bank on him doing this for like the rest of November because they're on bye. At Chicago, Danny Dimes will not fare well at Soldier Field, at Soldier Field I promise. And then they're playing the Packers. <laughs> but then they've got the Eagles, who are way better than the Giants, but um, have a pretty bad cornerback depth. And then there's yeah. the Dolphins in Week 15 and Washington in Week 16. That's pretty good matchups for the fantasy playoffs. I don't know if mm. I would carry them through that unless you're in a deeper league, but really interesting as a flex option in the fantasy playoffs, or even if you're not making the playoffs, but you just don't want to come in last. Uh, you could do a lot worse than Darius Slayton. He's looks so really bad. good, man. I think he's legit. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm with you that he's probably not a trustworthy weekly play, but non-fantasy football related. I think he's the real deal, and I think he's going to be a good player in the league. He's He already is a good player, like Danny Dimes, obviously. Uh, hey, I wanted to ask you about Danny Dimes, actually. What, what's ugh. what's the feeling right now? Because obviously, four touchdowns, that's awesome. He looked great at times. Also, the fumbling thing is a major issue, and his his lack of uh, pocket awareness, I guess, is, is a major major hiccup. I, I I'm just curious what the what the vibe is for Giants you, fans. Well, I I don't think I speak for Giants fans. I had a massive argument with uh, no one fellow <laughs> Giants fan here this morning yeah. about Danny Dimes. I mean, look, you're you're our draft expert here at the Ringer, and I think one of the best things you've instilled in me is that all these things we talk about arm strength or like vision or speed uh, speed's a big one like we talk so much about the high ends of it and in reality it's about the low end. it's about the threshold like arm right. strength you can have a cannon like Mahomes the reality is do you have enough arm strength to make NFL throws and then anything above the threshold's gravy and that's the yeah. case for speed and agility and all these things strength for offensive linemen what I've been concerned about the last six weeks is that Daniel Jones does not seem to have passed the threshold of like awareness like right, general right. awareness of who is standing around him and where the 22 people are on the field that like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson are like unbelievable just knowing where everyone is even if they're not like Deshaun Watson is kicked in the eye and still can throw a <laughs> touchdown pass because he just right. is keeping track subconsciously of where everyone is Daniel Jones is the opposite end of that spectrum that he is handed what, the ball to Jamal <laughs> Jamal Adams the, uh, <laughs> I'm, it's just concerning but having said that yeah the co- don't judge anyone after a rookie year. Like, who would have thought know, Jared Goff would have made the Super Bowl? It's, you know what I mean? Like, don't. I'm, Probably I'm still, I'm still as... on the boat, baby. But I'm. I would like him to know who is standing around him. That's a good. I think. Bet. I think Danny Dimes has been much, much better than I think I expected, and a lot of people expected. But that said, I, I'm definitely still worried about that turnover there. I think he's had ten. Is it ten fumbles in the last three or four games? Uh, three games, maybe. Uh, so he has ten fumbles in his last four games, which is astonishing. He has 13 fumbles in the season. To put that in perspective, the most fumbles last year was 12. Like four players yeah. died. And he's, and he's missed. He didn't play the first three games or two games? Yeah. Would you rather have a fumbling problem or an interceptions problem? That's an excellent question. Fumbling. Mm. Fumbling, in my opinion, DK. As a, well, uh, even, well, I think the more important is why do you have the problem? So if you're throwing a lot of picks as a rookie because like, you're being coached to like take chances and you're losing sometimes, eventually the rate goes down. But if you throw on picks like Jameis Winston, where it's just like you're just doing dumb shit to just swing it because you're out <laughs> right. of ideas, you don't want, that's yeah. different. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the fumbles because they're not like heroic efforts at diving to win games. It's more like <laughs> he just doesn't know what's happening. So that's upsetting. I think to, to tie, tie a bow on this, though, overall, he does seem to have a very strong trust and chemistry with Slayton. And fantasy football wise, I think that's important. He could be a good. I think he could be a good flex option down the stretch. I, I like Slayton a lot. Love it. I think Tua Tagovailoa is still the guy you're not supposed to worry about for Daniel Jones. But until then, let's get into our guys you're not supposed to worry about. Uh, I'm going to start it off with uh, Jarvis Landry of the Browns, who is at this point basically lapping Beckham uh, in fantasy production, especially over the last six games. Um, quietly 
Landry is the the wide receiver of 14 since week four, 16 point per, and that's PPR, 16 points per game average. Uh, in that same stretch, Beckham is the wide receiver of 45. So quietly, he's kind of been, he's been the number one guy in that offense. Obviously, no one's been super effective or efficient in that offense, but Landry has been pretty darn good the last couple of weeks. He had 10 targets, nine catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown on Sunday, 24.7 PPR points. Um, and interestingly, another uh, usage note per ESPN's Mike Clay, he ran 27 of his 40 routes on the outside yesterday um, with Higgins. Richard Higgins kind of came back uh, into the lineup. Antonio Callaway was inactive for, um, I guess, disciplinary reasons or unknown reasons, but um, that moved Landry to the outside on more of his routes, and he was very good. He was very effective. So I don't know if that's a sign of things to come or if Callaway returns, they kind of switch it back up and he goes back inside, but... Landry is a lot more valuable in fantasy than I thought he would be before the year. Yeah. And Beckham's a lot less. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. It's rough. Although I will say Beckham has been, like his peripheral foundational numbers are still strong, like in terms of his target share, his air yard share. Um, you know, he had a team high 12 targets on Sunday. He was blanketed by Tredavious White, so it didn't really work out, but... I think, you know, Beckham, I'm not very confident that he's going to be the kind of positive regression candidate down the stretch, but his numbers, his his target and air yards numbers are still really strong. So he has the opportunity, at least, to really improve down the stretch. We'll see how that goes, but I'm not super confident just because nothing in that that Browns offense seems to be clicking other than Landry at this point. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Soup's not inspiring a lot of confidence. I should say passing game. Their running game is pretty strong, but yeah. Craig, you got a guy you're not supposed to worry about? Yeah, I feel like it's Demarius Thomas for Robbie Anderson owners. Uh, yeah. Demarius Thomas has quietly been kind of good the last four weeks. He's had yard totals of 84, 19, 63, and 42. So he's played less snaps and received more targets um, than Robbie Anderson, which I don't know if that tells you that Darnold likes him better or if that means that Robbie Anderson is due to positively regress. But last week, Robbie Anderson had three targets, one catch, 11 yards. The week before that, two catches on four targets. And Demarius has been pretty consistent. So. Demarius is 8% owned. Robbie Anderson is 64. I think both of those should probably meet each other in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Demarius is a great streaming option for next week if you need one. Do you think Anderson is droppable at this point? No. Just because he's playing like 90% of, of snaps every mm-hmm. single week for the past four weeks, like consistently, that I think he's worth that like deep stash by week catch a 70-yard touchdown, like McCall Hardman type. Role, but yeah. but he's still. I mean, he's playing more snaps than guys like McCall Hardman. So you you think it's going to come back soon? But Demarius Thomas seems to be more like the safety blanket, like Crowder is for Darnold. Yeah, it's also annoying because if you drop Robbie Anderson's such an annoying person because if you drop him, then they've got Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, and Miami, and like yeah, if he scheduled. went off in two of those four weeks, like you would just be pissed. Yeah, so that sucks. All right, sleeper stream of the week. We're each going to pick a player every week, a flex, a running back receiver, a tight end, owned less than 40% of the teams on Yahoo or ESPN. And whichever one of us has the most points wins, and whoever has the most wins, I don't remember, doesn't, someone doesn't if have with, to grow a beard. The Minshew mustache. The Minshew, the Minshew mania, I always forget, yeah, the Minshew mustache. If, if, with Minshew mania being over, we should probably change the bet at this point. Minshew Mania is going to be like discount, like store brand Jeremy Lin, <laughs> Lin Sanity. It's just going to be remembered as like a much weaker version of like a cool thing. Don't you say that. I love Minshew. I, no, tr- trust me. All right. We'll see. We'll Craig. See. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Congrats. Craig won. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Craig so Craig has, Let's just... I'll, I'll run down the results here. So Craig took the, took the belt this week. He had Ronald Jones as his streamer of the week. Jones had 11 carries, 29 over yards. over 40%, but we let him slide. It was it was yeah, thirty eight. You wrote yeah. thirty eight in the doc, so okay. Well. <laughs> Regardless, Ronald Jones twenty two point six PPR points, easily the top number this week. Devontae Parker for Danny had eleven point nine, not bad. And Pretty then good. Zach Pascal uh, had four point six fantasy points, two catches, twenty six yards. Uh, I hate Hoyer, so that's that's about that. So you came in last, and as I always say, if you're not last, you're in first. Brian Hoyer is uh, that was a rough rough start against Miami. So who yeah. you got for this week, DK? Uh, I'm going with uh, a, a very favorite of the Dynasty Pod, Cole Beasley of the Bills uh, at the Dolphins this week. He's still only 32 percent owned in leagues, despite scoring in double digit points in PPR in six of his last eight games. Um, I see him as a definite high floor, low ceiling option. He's not 
necessarily going to go off, but plug them into your flex. You can bank, not bank, but you can hope for like, you know, 10 solid points. It's not bad for a bye week. Um, interestingly, he has scored exactly 2.2 fewer PPR points than one Juju Smith-Schuster this season. Would you have guessed that? I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Smith-Schuster's had a down year, but that shocked me. Cole Beasley is Craig's second favorite NFL receiver and number one favorite rapper. Who's his first favorite receiver? Devontae Parker. I do love Devontae Parker. (laughs) He's melted. Craig, who who are you wrong with this week? So I feel like this week, you know, last week you looked at the three guys we picked and it was like a pretty strong, talented class. I feel like these weeks kind of ebb and flow and it it feels like a down week. It was pretty hard to pick who you wanted. So I wanted to grab a guy with a high floor, which I feel like is J.D. McKissick this week, especially if Ty Johnson doesn't play. Just because of his receiving kind of floor, he feels like, you know, he played 57 snaps last week with Ty Johnson out. If he can settle into that Theo Riddick role if Stafford comes back, which is what I'm betting on, um, I think I'm pretty safe here. They're playing the Cowboys, who are a bottom five defense against running back catches and yards. So uh, I like JD a lot. I am rolling with Brian Hill for basically similar reasoning, but on the Falcons. So yeah, Devontae Freeman probably going to miss this game with a foot sprain. Uh, Aaron Jones just went for 93 yards and 13 carries against Carolina. I am not saying that Brian Hill is Aaron Jones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not ideal because look, the way you want you know, to be running is if you're winning and Atlanta winning against Carolina, I'm not you're short of, but it is a divisional game like last week against the Saints. And I think Hill's going to get touches. I think he's actually pretty talented. Fifth rounder out of Wyoming. And I like him to get a score in this game. And I think if he just is a starting running back, like he will, he'll be pretty serviceable. Love service. I like it. Uh, can we recap who, so so Craig's got two wins, I've got two wins, and Danny, you have one win, right? That's well, correct. Well, I think that, <laughs> I mean, I don't, well, I don't, <laughs> like that characterization. It is time for fantasy court. Fan- yeah, I agree. Yeah, Craig's right. Fantasy court. All right. <laughs> Do you have a fantasy football dispute that needs litigation? Is there a question that only outside counsel can solve? Take it to fantasy court on the Ringer NFL Show Facebook page. Calling the case of Gasper Coick versus the people. Okay, this is Gasper's. This is Gasper's case. I love it. This is the idea of borrow trades, a trade where both managers are able to fill out their starting lineup with the other's bench players. It can be during the same week or consecutive weeks, and upon conclusion of the duration, the trade is done again, restoring both teams to their original rosters. Any objections? DK. How is how is this not collusion? So I am fine with this. <laughs> I'm fine with this, too. I think this is fine. What? Like Here's the thing. Really? I don't, I don't, I've never done this. I've been in leagues where people do this. I don't understand it. Maybe I'm just not as trusting of the human species. But I think that this is fundamentally a handshake deal. And it's kind of a way to like bypass waivers. Maybe it's not technically allowed, but it's not. Collusion? Frowned upon at, <laughs> frowned, no, frowned upon at worst, but it's a trade. So here's the I thing. I agree. It's just There's, a trade. All it is, is it's a yeah, trade that's bypassing made. bypassing waivers and, then a, and week, a handshake no, deal. It's a trade made. And then a week later, they send the guys back. And here's how I look at it. There's nothing wrong with this. However, if you do it and then have any issues with the person, that's on you. Like, there's no, you can't. So I would recommend if you're going to do one of these, what I recommend is you have to, like, bring it to your league office and, like, put it in the group chat and make it known that it's happening if you think the other person might screw you. So that way they can be publicly shamed if it doesn't So you happen. need to let people know that this is going to be a borrow trade. If you're worried. But if not, like, if you're worried about the other person, like, if you can trust them. But fundamentally, it's just if you trust the other person. I'm going to say that I disagree. I, I think this should be illegal. There is one, um, I guess, compromise that you could do. I have this actually in one of my leagues where I'm the, uh, I'm the commissioner of this league. And our rule is, I believe, you can't trade a guy back after trading him for at least four games. So, in other words, if you're going to give up a guy to like help another player fill out his roster— you guys have to keep those players for at least a month. But, like, why? I agree. Can't you do this in real sports? Yeah, why? It's helpful. Because I just think it's collusion. I, but I think why? This is- no, but collusion is about bad faith. This is both people really trying to earnestly, like, make their teams better. This is this is just someone's like, wow, my tight ends and buy, and they've got Kittle and Ertz, and then I've got, you know what I mean? It's like, you both, they're both operating to make their team as competitive as possible, and you're not offering, like, outside shit. It's good faith, DK. It's just savvy. 
Savvy management. That's what I'm. <laughs> every single time we do it, I'm just like, what a I'm savvy shocked. manager. I'm shocked that you guys like this. This rule. is fun. Yeah, I no, mean, I like you're essentially just, you're just renting Scra- players. Scrappy. I mean, management. baseball teams do this. They like rent Araldis Chapman. The Cubs do for like four months. Then the season ends, and he goes back to the Yankees. Yeah, like, well, yeah, this exactly. Shit, this shit happens. Okay, with, let me yeah, ask you. Craig. Let me ask this I'm question. Does does are all bets off once the playoffs start though? Well, what trade deadline still exists while the playoffs are going on? Well, I guess that's true. I mean, in for instance, in dynasty leagues, there's sometimes no trade deadline. Well, that's insane. If you if you are <laughs> if you're in a dynasty league where you can make a trade during the playoffs, then you have not put enough. Especially thought with into a team that's not in the playoffs, is that what you're saying? That's that is that's right. not that's collusion. Fair. That's just well, there's yeah. anarchy. Well, in dynasty leagues, if you make a trade in the playoffs, it screws you over. No, but you can't the do next that. Year, so that. You, it's I'm like, just saying. It's like sports. It's the same. It's like sports. It's like you can't make a trade with someone. No one can send, like, a team out of contention can't trade the Astros someone during the World Series. You're arguing against yourself. I'm not saying that people should be able to do this. I'm against the rule in general. I think that they sh- I think this should be outlawed. You know what? You, uh, you're all about <laughs> the restrictive. Unless yeah, wait, you're oh, trading. Actually, wait. We've got a quorum here. Wait. Unless you're, unless you're trading for a car. In that case, I, I like it. All right. You know, DK, that was a, a thoughtful, clear, <laughs> lucid objection. And you are overruled. Fantasy court, it is right. decided. Fair enough. Fair enough. Gasper, you're all good. No objections. Well, the objections were overruled. Thank you to Gasper. <laughs> Please send in more fantasy court cases on the Ringer NFL Show Facebook page. Thank you to Gasper. Thank you to DK. Thank you to Craig. Thank you to our Sunshine Jim. Thank you to Jackson, special guest. And yeah. thank you to everyone for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll see you guys later this week. And this episode is brought to you by Ray Donovan, returning to Showtime this Sunday. Everyone's favorite fixer is back knocking heads as he navigates New York's corrupt mayor and a looming threat to the Donovan family they never saw coming. Starring Lee Schreiber and John Voigt, Ray Donovan is back this Sunday at an all-new time of 8 p.m. Eastern, only on Showtime.